Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership uh, at The Only Colors. I almost forgot what it was called for a second. Uh, John, today is Tuesday, April 30th. And um, you and I have both survived the Battle of Winterfell. Congratulations. Thanks, man. It was a big weekend between Avengers Endgame and Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, all the nerds got it out of our system. Yeah, such as myself, certainly. Uh, I, I put myself in that category. Went and saw Avengers on Thursday night. Was like, didn't cry. We want to be on the record saying that. Um, however, there was a point in that movie towards the end, no spoilers, towards the end where I was like, whoa, I have been watching these for a really long time and maybe slightly too invested. Well, good timing, and I'm sure the the, the Marvel Universe was thinking about uh, waiting until college basketball season was complete. Yeah, really appreciate the foresight there from Stan Lee and the gang. Smart. Uh, yeah, you know? and then you know, again, like you said, we we both survived Game of Thrones. A lot of people can't can't say that they survived the Battle of Winterfell. So just happy to be out on the other side. Um, you know, just uh, just thrilled to be here. Really, uh, MVP Arya Stark. Ooh, no spoilers. But guess what, Austin? You know, we we it was a big day. We won some, but we did lose some. True. Um, the men's basketball team. Uh hell of a transition. Hell of a transition. Um, yes, so as everybody knows by this point, um, Nick Ward has declared to go to the NBA and ended his Michigan State career. First and foremost, I think before we even get into the ramifications of the decision, uh, shout out Nick Ward. Um, congratulations. Yeah. like Puddin. Puddin, you gave us three awesome years. Three years that honestly, if you had told me Nick Ward was going to end up giving us when he signed on the dotted line as, you know, kind of an unheralded four-star recruit, um, I wouldn't have necessarily uh, believed you. And I certainly would be very satisfied with, with the outcome. Um, tremendous low post score. Uh, really, you know, it was kind of weird how his career ended. Like, it'll be always be interesting to me to look back on his MSU career because it's sort of, it peaked right off the bat where he was just yep. that second fiddle to, to miles bridges and, and was absolutely instrumental in the team, keeping their tournament streak alive without him, that, that streaks over. Yeah. I mean, he had, he was thrust into a, a role where he was, he was it. Yeah. He yeah. was the only big guy. It was he, he and, he and Kenny G, uh, 
that his freshman year. And you were mentioning he uh, was the uh, least popular, I guess, the least highly ranked of the the class. Yep. Uh, of of Miles Cassius, Josh Lankford, and then Nick Ward. So um, loved his his career at Michigan State. Um, as you mentioned, he he did declare to go play professionally. I think right. we should emphasize that we because you know um, he didn't ever quite develop a reliable, ju- consistent jump shot that's going to be needed at the next level. Um, and I, and I, also he's going to need to prove that uh, if you cut off his left hand, he wouldn't starve to death because right. uh, he can't use that right. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna he's going to be a really interesting test case. It's funny when you talk about, especially to NBA true NBA fans, um, they kind of advocate for this really even an abbreviated version of what Nick Ward did where it's, yeah, you know what? He might not be a finished product. He might not be a draftable guy, but why not go make some money and develop somewhere while you're getting professional coaching and, you know, making at a minimum a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Like there's some very real merit to that, to that path. And especially for a guy like Nick Ward, who, you know, it, it, we all kind of knew it seems like everybody in the program knew this was going to be his last year for, for better or worse. And he did try to expand his game. It it's a little bittersweet as a fan, not because of the, what it would do for the team next year, as we'll get into, I'm not even sure that this damages the team really in the future, but um, in that I would have loved to see his career kind of come, come full circle and, and see him, develop that little jumper and become more of that, that threat that might've gotten, gotten drafted towards the back part of the NBA draft. Um, I think you and I can agree that, you know, like you said, he goes to his left hand exclusively and does not, uh, he did flash a little jumper, but not much of a, a shooter in a league where, and not much of a defender in a league where positionless defense and the ability to shoot from every position is, you know, kind of the way that lit, almost literally every single team is trying to build their roster. So, um, you know, I, I want nothing but the best for Nick. I think he's going to end up either signing with a G League team or going overseas and making plenty of money. And I will not be surprised at all if you see him in the NBA in two, three years with a with a more refined game and, and refined body. But um, either way, sure. want nothing but the best for him. But yeah, keep an eye. Uh, he's a guy you don't want to lose track of because, it, it, like I said, it should not surprise you if he ends up in the league in a short period of time. Yeah, he'll probably be in um, almost assuredly in Vegas this summer at the summer yep. league. Get a shot. Um, <clears throat> and and you know, it's it's funny. It's it's we're in this culture where if you don't, if you are not the best, or you are not, you know, make it to the NBA. You failed. And it's like, right. whoa, right. dude, you, this, he, and, you know, not even saying him, but if you are being paid to do something you love, out, like sports or anything, like you won, man, much less like six figures, like Nick is probably going to be making um, eventually somewhere down the line. So, you know, and talk about like, I would like rather do that in Germany or like Spain, like yeah, you're pretty cool. Study abroad, essentially. Like, yes, please. Yeah. So I'd do it. I'll yeah. I'll say this: if any international basketball team would like to offer me a contract, I will accept it, sight unseen. I'll do it now. 
So I I won't because I just <laughs> already I'm already tired. Well, listen, man, you've got a dog. This is a whole thing for you. It's true. I'd have to figure that out, and it seems like a lot of work already. So. Yeah. Well, hey, for us dogless folks out there, we can just uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm listening. Um, Real Madrid. I'm listening. So, the phone so, line is open. Nick Ward. Yeah, hit him in the comments. Yeah, him sliding these Ward DMs. They're open. Declares, and that means, um, you know, Nick Ward wasn't the best rebounder on this team. That would have gone to Kenny Goins behind him, Xavier Tillman. But still a, a wide gap uh, with he and Kenny on their way. I don't think people quite realize how big of a gap this will be because mm-hmm. this was – uh, the single greatest rebounding team in Michigan State history. No hyperbole. Uh, they finished with 1,580 rebounds. That's over 40 a game. That not only was best in Michigan State history for total rebounds, but it was the most rebounds in the nation. So, I mean, like, th- this, we took it for granted almost, you know? Yeah. And Kenny made a huge jump in rebounds um, per game. Xavier and Nick cleaned kind of everything else up. There's going to be a pretty big hole uh, to fill here, uh, especially at that uh, post position. Um, There are a few answers for it, but uh, not so clear as of today. Yeah, and and those answers, you know, as we talk, as we kind of look forward to, hey, what is next year's roster look like? Um, it seems fairly set right now, but there are a couple of variables for, for who could fill, um, the last scholarship spot that was opened up by Nick Ward. Now the freshman class, uh, is, is settled. I don't think the answer, um, in terms of an addition is from that freshman class. You're looking at Rocket Watts, obviously going to be a great combo guard. Malik Hall, who, who does have some size, but, uh, is facing sort of, it's at least a somewhat crowded front court with the likes of Marcus Bingham, Xavier Tillman, Thomas Kithier, um, and even the possibility of some real small ball with Arns and Henry sliding down to the four. He's, he's facing uh, certainly a bit of a crowded front court and, and Gabe Brown. Um, so going to be interesting to see where he slots in. And then there's Julius Marble, who was the late signee. And John, we were talking right before this, and you kind of said um, – he was the late freshman signee. He was kind of the best available free agent in Michigan State, went out and got him. So uh, not going to expect another freshman to join this class. But what might happen is the addition of a uh, graduate transfer, uh, fifth-year senior. And there's one really big name, well, three big names popping up on the transfer market, but one graduate transfer that would be a really nice fit for Michigan State. Right. Um, because of the coaching carousel and Mr. Buzz Williams leaving from Virginia Tech and headed to Texas A&M, that allows anybody and everyone, you know, it's a can go anywhere they want. Um, so that leaves uh, all ACC member Kerry Blackshear um, Jr. up to go wherever he would like to go. Um, and he has not necessarily made a list. But uh, those close think that it's down to six, and uh, Michigan State being one of those six. Uh, for a little more information on Kerry, he's 6'10". He's, uh, as you mentioned, a senior, averaged 15 points a game and 7.8 rebounds and 2.4 assists um, 
on a solid Virginia Tech team, if you remember from uh, last year. I believe they were a five seed? Uh, four, four seed. Four seed in the NCAA tournament. That's right, losing to Duke. In a really uh, in, good ACC, too. I mean, that, that was a legitimate like, They almost beat Duke, a very good team. Multiple times. Uh, they did beat Duke without Zion Williams. Yeah, true. Um, so, and Kerry Blackshear uh, was a men amongst boys uh, for, on his team. Now, he is looking at Michigan State, but also looking at Texas A&M. Because Buzz Williams left, he can follow Buzz. Uh, Florida is other another front runner. I believe he's from uh, Florida, yep. so that's why they popped up. And then Gonzaga, Kentucky, Tennessee are in the same boat as Michigan State as just contenders. That um, man, if you have a spot in the space, why not? Um, yeah, I think Gonzaga and Kentucky are especially interesting on that list. Just because both have had uh, success. Mm-hmm. Both this year and previously with these grad transfer types, um, especially the bigs. I mean, Gonzaga has had it seems like a ton of these grad transfer types. They even got one from well, he was a straight transfer, but a, a transfer from Kentucky um, in what was his name? The Big Four, Kyle something. Uh, uh, Wilcher. Yes, Wilcher. There we go. I can't believe I didn't remember that last name. Um, but you know, those two schools have had a lot of success with with transfers in the past. I think a couple of the guys on this year's team from Gonzaga were transfers, and Kentucky's Kentucky. And you saw what they did with Reed Travis this year; it was a huge part of the team. Got to think, you know, with so many guys moving on, Blackshear would get a good opportunity there. Kind of the same thing in Tennessee. You know, you look at uh, Grant Williams and Schofield, both going pro. Um, well, great. So that's that's the big question: is Grant Williams has been has not declared? No. Oh, okay. Uh, He's te- he's was invited to the NBA Combine, testing the waters, and I believe as of today has not decided, uh, but has received invites to the co- the NBA invite to test the waters. So um, I, I gotta think that that decision will have, have a huge impact on Kerry's uh, decision. But yeah, you would um, think so. You know, obviously we just described uh, the sales pitch that Izzo is giving Blackshear. Pretty loaded team. Already have a first team All American on it. You don't have to do all the work, and um, like we're in the final last year, wouldn't wouldn't be the worst thing to, to jump on this squad and, and no. kind of take them from uh, great on the goodness matrix to potentially elite. Yeah, I mean, I I think you're already talking about a team that even if they don't add anybody, is going to be be a a sexy pick, you know, to start the year in the top. I don't know, two, three, maybe at number one. I won't be surprised at all if they get picked by several publications to win the whole thing. Um, And it's hard to fault those publications regardless. But, man, you had a first-team All-ACC guy at the only real visible gap on your team, a guy who, like you said, averaged, you know, 15, 8, and and 2.5 assists a game. uh, And is a – On a good team. On a good team uh, with – who can block some shots. I mean, he's uh, the, the front line defense really, really three through five. If you put Josh Langford or excuse me, uh, Aaron Henry, Blackshear and Tillman out there. I mean, that is, whew, that's a, a pretty devastating defensive lineup and, and one that can do some, some damage offensively too. Um, and you just so happen to have the maestro of all maestros, Cassius Winston there uh, running point. So well, that- th- and that might might be what's most appealing out of all the teams. That's right. that's Izzo's biggest sell right now. So, um, I mean, th- that is certainly an immediate uh, 
solve, I guess, for the rebounding uh, question mark that we posed. But the other thing we talked about, I think, a couple weeks ago was uh, the the Hauser saga, yeah. uh, the Marquette brothers, who, uh, if you missed it, um, were on a top 10 Marquette team, maybe even top five, after uh, Mark Marcus Howard, a second-team All-American, I believe, uh, decided to return to college. And the Hauser brothers um, are jumping ship. Uh, no real public reason as to why, but one has to imagine it has something to do with uh, not getting along with said second team all American. Yeah. So, I, I, so what gives it to me, what, what tells me if you want to something that might tip you off to that being the reason it's the fact that these guys aren't declaring for the ML, NL, Oh my gosh, NBA draft. They're going right, somewhere no, else to out. keep going to school and they're going to sit true. out for a year to do it. Yep. They, and they have to sit out a year. This is not a, uh, Kerry Blackshear situation. Um, they will have to both sit out a year and they've are a package deal, they've said, and um, they have targeted four schools that they will be visiting. Um, Iowa, Virginia, Wisconsin, and Michigan State. So let me give you a little information on the Hauser boys. Sam, the junior, 6'8", averaged 15 points last year, 7.2 rebounds, and was 40% from three. And Joey, the freshman, 6'9", averaged 9.7 points, 5.3 rebounds, and was 42.5% from three. So they can hoop. Marquette was a good team last year. Um, And they've narrowed it to four already. Even though Michigan State only has one scholarship open, they are still interested in checking it out. What does that tell you? It tells me that uh, they're smart. Um, It it tells me that if, if, like, they see a winner, they see a real opportunity on a roster as well, and they might see, um, uh, no, like I said, a real a real opportunity at playing time uh, come next year. Um, and really, when you look at the roster, it it's interesting because sitting here today, there really is only the one truly proven asset up there, and that's Xavier Tillman. And we might be sitting here a year from today talking about how, where Xavier Tillman is going to go in the NBA draft. Because, I mean, you talked mm-hmm. about, um, you know, guys leaving early and, and what they might want to do. I mean, Xavier Tillman, uh, A, is probably the most attractive or most proven attractive quantity from an NBA perspective on this team. I think, as we'll touch on in a minute, uh, there's some other guys who might be on that radar too. But um, when you talk about immediate opportunities here, he's got to be the, the the most immediate. And, and, Beyond him, it's a bunch of unproven guys. Malik Hall, Marcus Bingham, Thomas Kithier, um, yeah, Julius Marble. Like, you're Sam Hauser, you're Joey Hauser. You know you can compete on the biggest stage, and you're damn good. You see a chance where you could walk into a team that needs leaders. Yeah, Cassius Winston gone. Yeah, Josh Langford's gone. But you're coming back to a team potentially that's got Rocket Watts, Aaron Henry, Xavier Tillman, and then the Hauser brothers playing. I mean, that that seems like a pretty attractive situation to me so so let's give a little more context to you know why maybe they picked these final four you know so quickly um little background actually Izzo offered the eldest Hauser Joey Hauser um back in gosh when was it 2015 yeah something like that so um he ultimately picked Marquette over a handful of Big Ten teams, including Wisconsin. 
um, but also was recruited by Virginia and Iowa. So Mm -hmm. there you go. And also, a little more information, Wisconsin did not offer the little brother, uh, Sam Hauser. So that was what made it a little interesting on the Wisconsin side is uh, the Housers made it clear that they were a package deal, um, pro- probably because of that. Yes, yeah, <laughs> probably. Because was not offered by Wisconsin. Um, Iowa does have two scholarships open, um, and... Joe, Joey Hauser used to play AAU with Joe Weiskamp, the stud mm. freshman at Iowa. So that's there in um, Virginia. Bennett wanted both of these guys in high school. In fact, um, weirdly, Joey Hauser was recruited by, um, excuse me, Sam Hauser was like recruited by nobody of, here are his scholarship offers. Ready? Wisconsin, Green Bay, Toledo, Richmond, Northern Illinois, Iowa State, Drake, Creighton, Bradley, Marquette, and Virginia. Hmm. Tony Bennett knew what he wanted and didn't care that nobody else did. So he's been hot on both of these guys since day one and didn't get either of them. I got to think Virginia is a really nice situation for both of them too. Yeah, I mean, and also that's the team that just – won the national championship and did oh, so yeah. with a lot of upperclassmen guys. I mean, it's it's a guy that preaches discipline and he comes from, you know, the a tough they, they both played for a tough coach in Woj. I mean, this dude is yelling all the time. Comes from that coach K like no BS type of, you know, no BS type of scheme, I guess, or or school of thought. Um, that's another interesting thing here is is the four coaches that they sort of chose to go play for. Greg Gard potentially a little more subdued, and Bennett is certainly subdued on the bench, but is a, a fairly intense guy as well. And then you got Fran and Izzo, who are both just like, I mean, you you legit think they might assault. A, a, a player from time to time. Well, they're, not um, afra- they're not afraid to get after. And no. It sounds like these kids aren't afraid to get coached up. So, yeah. you know, Wisconsin has three scholarships open. Virginia has two scholarships open. Iowa has two scholarships open. And then Michigan State with one. It'll be the, the Hauser saga will will drag on through the summer, I think. And yeah. we'll keep you updated along the way. Yeah, it's... It- I think MSU would have a better chance here if they weren't a package deal because I think you could really sell uh, one yep. or the other on on taking this scholarship and, and being a huge part of the MSU future. But um, you know, if they want to pay their way for one, you can kind of look at it as like, hey, one of us gets the deal, and it's kind of like a you don't have to pay for both; you only got to pay for one uh, type thing. But well, you could just take all the same classes, and then you don't right. have to buy books twice. That's a great point. Just trying to help. Big save. You know? um, yeah, so be interesting to see who the new additions are. I think one thing we've we've somehow glossed over here is uh, not a new addition, but a guy who stayed around uh, and is a bigger deal than whoever else joins or doesn't join this team. And that's the fact that Cassius Winston decided to not even test the NBA waters and declare that he wanted to come back. Um, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here. And say that that uh, is more important than than anything else that could have possibly happened this offseason. Yeah, he's he is the most important player in college basketball in the next 2019-2020 season. I mean, I, I don't think that's a biased take. 
This dude is a first-team All-American, and the numbers he put up last year, I mean, I'll just go through them. I mean, to date, he has put himself in a situation where he is uh, not just one of the best players in the country, but has put himself on the discussion for the Rushmore at Michigan State for best point guards of all time. And if things go the right way, potentially the Rushmore for best Michigan State players of all time. Is that fair? Oh, I absolutely think so. I mean, I, at, at a bare minimum, if you want to just talk point guards, I personally think he's already on there. Uh, I, if, if, like, tell, if you would have said he's declaring for the NBA after this year, I think you would say he's an all-timer for Michigan State. I think he's one of the four best. But I think in terms of like best players independent of position, uh, I still think it might be a little early for that just because there are yeah. some pretty damn good ones there. But um, he, he, like you said, he's put himself in a position where, uh, I mean, you, the, if he basically is a repeat of this season, uh, there's little to no doubt that he is on the Mount Rushmore, um, in my opinion, of both independent of position and certainly point guard. I think he's in a, in a position to be the, the best MSU point guard of all time. He's right there. And I mean, and as long as we aren't de- deciding that Magic's a point guard, then I'll agree with you. <laughs> yeah, so, fair. So, so uh, Cassius Winston, career three-pointers. Uh, he has ninth all-time in Michigan State history. And he, you could argue, maybe had a a dip from his sophomore year. Well, he or, did statistically, me. didn't he? Yeah, he absolutely did. Um, but, you know, still ninth all-time, 88th best in Big Ten history right now with 186 threes. Uh, his season assists, he was second most in the nation, I believe, to Ja Morant. Um, with 292 assists, that was the most in Michigan State history for a season. Career assists, uh, currently sitting at 715, uh, that's second best in Michigan State history and third best in Big Ten history. Only 101 behind uh, our boy Mateen Cleese, as we were just mentioning. And um, you know, as a team, as, as a team, much because Cassius was carrying the load. Uh, Michigan State finished best in the nation with uh, 715 assists. Um, that's 18.3 a game, and that was second best in Michigan State history. I mean, Cassius is everything and more. Um, and and you made me kind of start at the beginning of the season, start to do a side by side with him and the team, just on a on a proportional basis to where he was stacking up on a per game basis. And I gotta tell you, Cassius is. He's got a better field goal percentage, better, much better three-point percentage, better free throw percentage, better points per game, more rebounds per game. Uh, Mateen's got him on steals per game and, for the moment, assists per game, but that will likely change soon. Cassius had less turnovers per game and a better assist-to-turnover ratio. I mean, and then you add in that Cassius had, was just Big Ten Player of the Year and first-team All-American. Mateen was... Uh, two-time Big Ten Player of the Year uh, and one-time first-team All-American, but he's got the ring. And right. That's the big difference, right? Right. Absolutely. That's a, a massive difference, I think. And we kind of – we're talking about he's in position to become this. I don't think you become the best at your position in a school like Michigan State's history without a championship ring. Um, 
I mean, good news for him is he has a team coming back that I think is going to very much be in the conversation. Now, whether they'll get there and do that, you know, it's a crapshoot. Nobody knows. But um, they're in a position where they, they're they they're in the discussion, I think, right off the bat. And, um, I, I mean, if you just look talent talent for talent from last year's team to this year's team, it's hard to, to not be excited and think that, Cassius has all the weapons he needs and teammates he needs to to break some of these records and really make himself you know stand stand apart from a lot of previous Spartans. Yeah, and I mean we'll we're gonna wait till everything else shakes out with people declaring and and, and the final roster spots kind of settling with all the transfers that take place. But as we mentioned, you look at uh, next year's roster, he missed out on having his best buddy uh, in Josh Lankford for two thirds of the season. I mean, those are that's a lot of assists on the board right there. So, um, as you mentioned, Michigan State's get ready to be expected to win every single game. Yeah, this team is stacked. Yeah. Um, but you know, embrace it. It's fun. You know, it, we're we're this is so exciting. Agreed. What better what what better position to be in than have Cassius Winston returning? Um, Every team in the country wishes they have what Michigan State's roster has right now. Yep, 100%. It's going to be fun. A lot of time to go until then, so enjoy your stress-free summer. But um, there are some other some other sports, namely there are. namely football, which will come up uh, a little bit before basketball. Um, and recently, the football team had guys leave and guys arrive. Let's talk about the arrival first. Uh, this happened about a week or so ago, but... Um, Safety Darius Snow from Texas, uh, a top, I believe, 150 recruit in the country, according to Rivals, one of the better safeties and a top 10 to 12 player in the state of Texas, uh, committed to come to Michigan State and play as part of the 2020 class. I think he's the third member of the class. Now, if that last name sounds familiar, it's because his uncle, Eric Snow, longtime NBA player, Philadelphia 76er. Uh, and Spartan wasn't. Yeah, he played for Michigan connection. State. Um, so he's he's kind of following in his uncle's footsteps, which is pretty cool to see, especially you know across sports. I think kind of speaks to the experience that Eric had and and sort of what Michigan State's you know established itself as in the college football world. Um, he's a thumper. He's a big dude right now. I get like I said, playing safety. I think he's bigger than. Then a guy we'll talk about in a second, and Kari Willis. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see him add a little weight and play like an Andrew Dahl type outside linebacker role. But um, regardless, big dude, not afraid to hit, uh, is a great addition to a, you know, a great addition to a defensive class. A really good signature guy. Getting a kid out of Texas is always a win for a team like Michigan State. So super exciting stuff there. Yeah, that's a big pickup, and um, it's just so helpful to have. That's a that's a national exposure pickup, right? You know, when you get a top one hundred and fifty guy, no one's going to care or know that Eric Snow is his uncle, except for us, you know, right. and, and, and you, the listener. But you know, nationally, people are like, "Oh, wow, Michigan State still relevant, still getting one hundred and fifty guys mm-hmm. in places they probably shouldn't." That's huge. Um, so, big pickup there. Hopefully, that can continue, or at least. Um, jumpstart some even more recruiting momentum for the D'Antonio staff. Absolutely. 
So talk to me about the NFL draft. Did you uh, did you watch any of it? Well, I watched the first eight picks on Thursday before uh, Endgame, Avengers Endgame, took my uh, undivided attention. But oh, I um, thought you were going to say you had to log off after being disappointed in the Lions selecting a Big Ten title. Oh, no. I Okay, if we want to quickly do the Lions diatribe, um, I'll do it and then I'll stop because we want to talk Michigan State. But uh, I like picking TJ Hawkinson. I just hate that they picked him at number eight. But I'm also not surprised because I'm realizing now what the Lions do is they just take super high floor, boring players. And while I respect that, especially having watched Michigan State for the longest time, um, it is disappointing on days like the NFL draft where you just want to see your team go for like – Montez Sweat in particular. You wanted to say, say yeah, it. It hurt. He slipped so far that I was like, just trade back up and get him. But, you know, uh, what, what are we going to do? Um, but, yeah, the, yeah, at least the Lions have an identity, though. Like, that's one of the things I love about being an MSU fan is we kind of just know, well, at least defensively, we know what we want to be. Offensively, we know what we want to be. It's just a matter of whether we can do it. So it's kind of fun to root for a team with an identity. And at least the Lions, whether it's the right move or not, like at least they are sticking to the same game plan and not just changing up like every five minutes. Well, and speaking of identity, uh, the Michigan state secondary has created quite the, uh, yes. rep- reputation in the NFL. Um, yes, with, it has. with Michigan state's two draft picks, uh, Justin Lane and Kari Willis being selected in the third and fourth round respectively. That is just, um, more feathers in the cap for the Michigan State secondary um, as the no-fly zone um, continues on uh, the tradition of NFL uh, NFL draftees. Yeah, so it was actually the eighth and ninth defensive backs selected wow. in the Mark D'Antonio era, um, which is pretty wild. I mean, that's – and some of the names – it's funny, I was looking it up. Like some of the names you didn't even like really, – like Jeremy Ware – uh, oh, wow. was drafted. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other guys, but you know, you, you look through the, through the years, you've got guys like Trey Waynes, Darquez Denard, um, some, Monte. what's that? Yep. Monte Nicholson. Um, Curtis was Curtis Drummond? Yeah. Yeah. He was drafted. I mean, some really good players in MSU history. And, and these two are, in my opinion, right up there with the best of them. Um, Justin Lane, the first will go in order of, of selection. Justin Lane gets picked in the third round. Slipped a little bit, I think. Kind of surprised some people. Um, but at the end of the day, he ended up with the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is just an absolutely perfect place for him, in my opinion. Um, not only be, from just like an identity standpoint, um, and love him or hate him, they also drafted Devin Bush, who couldn't be more of a Steeler. So uh, I, I kind of love that he's getting to pair up with with him and the pros, and just be that that tough defensive back. Which you know he he comes from a program like that, obviously at Michigan State. So it's pretty awesome there. Also from a from a depth chart perspective, he's in pretty good shape. Um, they do have Joe Hayden there, great guy to learn from. Had a kind of a resurgence last year. And they do have Artie Burns at the other cornerback spot, who, who was their first-round pick from Miami a few years ago. Um, and after that, their nickel is Mike Hilton. Uh, the moral of the story here is in today's day and age where you play so many defensive backs, he's got a very real chance uh, to 
to be playing a lot really quickly in Pittsburgh, and that'll be that'll be pretty cool to see. Um, the fourth rounder was Kari Willis, who landed with the Indianapolis Colts. And first of all, I'm just going to wear this one. Like on this very show several years ago, I said I thought Kari Willis was going to be the first defensive player to get benched. Uh, egg on my face, but he turned himself into an absolutely critical part of, a, of some extremely good Michigan State defenses and in turned himself into a fourth-round pick. Um, I think his leadership is really going to set him apart in the pros, and I also think from a from a versatility standpoint, the fact that like this should teach safeties like you want to be able to hit. Because the fact that he can come up and hit somebody in the box and is not afraid to play against the run game is what allowed him to get drafted in this position. He's now paired with Malik Hooker, who people probably remember from Ohio State, uh, who's kind of a true center fielder. And what Willis allows Hooker to do and what they allow that defense to do is become extremely versatile. Because he can cover, but he can also, you know, he's covered uh you know, slot receivers, he can cover tight ends, he can cover running backs, but he can also come up and just lay the wood on somebody coming over the middle. Um, and he allows Hooker to play his best type of game. So super exciting place for him to land. I feel like Indy is kind of a team that that came back to life last year and um, needed defenders. So he's going to help them give them that identity. And I will not be surprised at all, at all, if he becomes just an absolute fan favorite in Indianapolis. So super exciting for him uh, there as well. You, you touched on Kari, you know, his leadership. And I think that, you know, people talk about intangibles, but especially once you get into the rounds like this and you're looking for, you know, you mentioned the Lions were looking for high floor players. Kari is kind of that, right? It's it's a safe, smart pick for anyone once you're in the fourth round. Absolutely. Um, to, get, to get someone like him. He's, Michigan State has been calling him captain since he was like a sophomore. Yeah. Like, because of his leadership, he spoke. Uh, everyone in the league so highly on him. If you remember, he spoke at the Big Ten luncheon last yep. summer. Just a solid kid. Um, you're never. He's the kind of guy that you ask him to literally do anything on or off the football field. You know, leading community service stuff, signings, like publicity situations. He's there. He'll do it, and he'll do it with class. Every organization wants that. Right. That's why he's such a great pick, especially at the fourth round, um, for for anyone. So yeah, for, I, I mean, from a personality, personality standpoint, and from just like a a character standpoint, it's not going to ever get much better than Kari Willis. And like you said, fourth round that really sets you apart. On top of that, he's a heck of a ball player. So super exciting for for him and for the Colts. Um, now MSU did only have the two draft picks, but they kept their draft streak alive, which is just as important. Um, now there were three undrafted free agents. Actually, there were four, uh, that ended up getting, um, signed by teams. And so the first was, yeah, Andrew Dowell will yep. go with, uh, picked up by the Dallas Cowboys. That surprise you? Um, not really surprising. I think it's a really interesting fit for him. Um, they drafted Leighton Vander Esch early, but they do have a lot of kind of like older, non-super athletic linebackers aside from Vander Esch. Um, so again, Andrew Dowell is going to have to win a spot by being a really good special teamer. Uh, but we saw that dude's an athlete and the league at linebacker in general is going a little bit smaller. So um, he, he makes me think of, without necessarily the height, he makes me think of Mark Barron, who uh, played 
like was a first team All American, I believe, safety at Bama, and then came into the league, played safety for a couple of years, and eventually uh, moved down to linebacker, where he's played for I think the last four or five seasons. Um, I think Dowell compares kinda to him, um, so it should be right. should be interesting. Well, and Andrew is in an interesting spot in the NFL, where as you mentioned, the the that position is getting a touch smaller, and you know as we've seen. The reason is, you know, as a reaction to the air raid, uh, everyone, you know, yep. passing more and more, right? And and to defend the the tight end position has become evolved so much in the past five, ten years that Andrew, you need guys that not just that can plug a hole, but can that can stay with some of the most athletic people in the world in open space. So um, asking a lot, yeah. Of, but he was asked to do a lot at the star uh, at Michigan State. I mean, he was a three-year starter. Um, he covered receivers and tight ends and backs all the time. So I think it, it's not surprising to me that he didn't get picked. He's not all that big, uh, and he's not like – with linebackers, I feel it's typically if you're short but you're like squatty, like Stephen Tulloch is a pretty extreme example of that, but – um, if you're that type, typically you get picked more than if you're short and not as uh, stout. So I'm not shocked that he didn't get picked. But I mean, with the, like you said, with the way the league is going, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he carves out a role for himself, whether it's in Dallas or somewhere else. Um, either way, nice of him to, or nice for him, I should say, to to get a shot. And again, kind of a team that that might need some help at that at that position. Um, I don't believe that they didn't draft any linebackers. So, um, you know, he's not going to have to compete with anybody from his own draft class at least. So, and that's huge, right? You know, <laughs> nothing worse. Basically, if you're drafted in the first three or maybe even four rounds, you're kind of protected, right? Right. Um, Cause no GM wants to be cutting anyone. <laughs> uh, that's kind of a lot of egg on your face, but um, so that's great news for Andrew. We were talking tight ends. You want to talk about um, maybe a, the most surprising undrafted free agent, Matt Sokol? Yeah. So Matt Sokol uh, signed up with the L.A. Chargers. The L.A. Chargers. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. Please do not get that wrong. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm never going to doubt a tight end again after what Garrett's, Garrett Selleck has become in the oh. NFL. Um uh, the Chargers is an interesting spot for him uh, because they did they do have Hunter Henry, and I believe they had another tight end who was like pretty good while Henry was hurt last year. Um, Ladarius Green maybe, um, and so and I think uh, Antonio Gates Spartan is even back there for another year. So you know if I'm Matt Sokol, the thing I'm concentrating on first and foremost is spending as much time as close to Antonio Gates as I possibly can. Uh, and then you see what happens. I mean, again, like Josiah Scott, excuse, Josiah Price uh, found a way onto a practice squad for a handful of years. Garrett Selleck has become a very successful M- uh, NFL player. Um, you know, in, in an interesting spot. He's, he's in a tough place from a roster perspective, but um, hopefully he can make a good first impression. Yeah, so that, that takes us to um, another MSU legend in LJ, LJ Scott. We were talking to legends earlier. LJ Scott, what a career arc, signed by the Baltimore yeah. Ravens. Um, an odd career, um, but, but his time, as we know, running backs, 
there's a, there's a there's a clock on you. Yeah. And, and it's only so many carries, so his time was now. Yeah, and it's funny you talk about a guy who, after his freshman year, you know, you're thinking this is like the star running back of a class in a couple of years. Um, even after his sophomore year, we kind of got banged up and fell victim to the old hot hand um, far too often. Uh, you know, the the bummer for LJ Scott, actually, it's kind of a, a, a double-edged sword here. On one side, you know, couldn't really stay healthy, which was too bad, especially on a team like this one that really could have used him healthy down the stretch. Um, but, so, you know, he that's going to be a knock on you coming into the NFL. Now, on the other side of that, there is the fact that because he was not healthy, he doesn't have a ton of miles on him for, you know, a guy that did play when he was playing, played a lot for three years. Um, you know, really his biggest workload by far had to be his freshman year and then, you know, kind of tapered off ever, ever since then. Um, uh, what I'll say for LJ Scott is that he, his talent level is undeniable. Uh, this dude from a physical perspective, from a skill perspective, he's got everything it takes to be an NFL player. I don't think, I mean, I'm not surprised at all that he didn't get drafted between the, you know, just the value currently on the position of running back. You know, it's, it's not surprising at all that he didn't get taken, but um, yeah, dude, you see guys come out of nowhere every year to make impact at, at running back because it, a lot of the time it's just a numbers game. Who's healthy? How many guys do we have? Who can we trust to just give the ball to who's not going to fumble it? Hopefully that's LJ Scott. And really with Baltimore, Baltimore is one of the best examples of that. They had Gus Edwards, you know, really come out of nowhere to become their running back, uh, their starting running back last year. Um, they do have a guy in Buck Allen also on the roster, and they did draft Justice Hill from Oklahoma State. But Justice Hill is a very different player from LJ Scott. He is a scat back and can absolutely fly, um, whereas LJ is going to be more of that kind of complete maybe three-down type back. Um, and again, good news for him is that that team of all teams in the NFL is one that just runs the ball. They they might not throw a pass in several games this year. So um, it's – it's an interesting situation for him to end up in. I think it's a team that probably values the position more than others strictly because of the amount that they're going to utilize it and how important it's going to be for them. So um, I, I hope this is a good landing spot. It feels like a really good landing spot for him. And uh, side note, on top of all of this, he's going to look badass in a Ravens uniform. Oh, absolutely. I'm already looking forward to uh, preseason games this year. We can see a handful of Spartans uh, on yeah. the field. Um, but but last but not least, uh, fan favorite, um, Mr. Felton Davis, you know, went down with an Achilles injury in October, I believe, and has been rehabbing ever since. Um, I don't think anyone expected him to be drafted just because it's such a risk. But if there was anybody that could go from undrafted free agent to NFL stud, mm-hmm. it's this guy if only because he didn't rely on speed ever. No. So the Achilles injury, while devastating to speed, that was never his forte. So he's very comfortable as a position wide receiver or a possession wide receiver. And um, what a pairing being signed uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, that. <laughs> this was the one that got me the most excited. Um, a team that is 
got, you know, arguably the most highly sought after, most highly valued player in the entire league in Patrick Mahomes. I mean, what he did last year was otherworldly and, and, you know, he is not shy about throwing the ball around to a bunch of different guys. This is a team also that's for terrible reasons, uh, because of the person, uh, Tyreek Hill's probably out of there. Now, they did draft Nicole Hardman from Georgia to replace him, but the thought that you're going to replace the talent, the talent, strictly the on-field talent of Tyreek Hill with one guy is, is you know, probably short-sighted. Um, they do have Sammy Watkins, and I know they had uh, a couple other decent guys, but, you know, if if if... Felton can get healthy enough to stay at least on the practice squad and just get back to being who he is and doing what he does. You get, you're telling me that team's not going to want him there as a red zone option with Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins and Mahomes making plays like that. I mean, of all the places for him to end up, it's with a quarterback who can get every ounce out of every player that he plays with. It's pretty exciting. It's really, like you said, it all boils down to if he's healthy or not, if he's healthy, this is, awesome and incredible and i just like to hope i just hope andy reed if you're listening just be patient let the man get healthy you will not regret it well i mean i i'm already i'll say it he's gonna turn some heads uh at camp because i am biased but he has the best hands of any msu wide receiver i can remember Uh, i mean yeah he he caught everything, and and they he was draped on. He caught them. He went out up and got some. He, yeah, the, I think the, his most notable um, was not over a chump in the Penn State game. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that dude went in, it went in the what fourth round? Third the, round. Li- the Lions took him in the fifth round. He's actually my favorite Lions draft pick, Amani Aruri. A, a guy talked about. I mean, a six-two corner talked about. As like a potential first round guy, I think he just tested poorly, and there were so many DBs in this class that he slipped a little bit to the Lions' benefit. But um, yeah, he wasn't going against chumps, man. This guy had good games against Michigan. He's like had good. I feel like he played well against Ohio State. Like he played well against NFL caliber talent. And um, uh, again, like you said, speed never his game necessarily. Uh, I think in a league where the red zone is becoming such a hard place to score, having a dude who you can say, all right, jump up and go get that ball. Um, that's a nice thing to have. I, I, I just feel so bad for him because I think if he's healthy throughout this season, he's not only a, a, a draft pick, but I think you're talking about you know him in that same range as Justin Lane, if not maybe even a little bit earlier. Yeah. I, I, I think everyone is just devastated when he went down, but um, I think maybe the best is yet to come for that that young man. So um, a lot of fun stuff to watch in the NFL camps coming up. A lot of Spartans uh, trying out to make teams. And I just want to emphasize how difficult it is to make an NFL team. I mean, <laughs> that's an obvious statement. But, you know, every team's drafting seven on average seven dudes plus undrafted free agents. There ain't seven to ten dudes retiring from each team ever. Right. You know, like there are not that many people that are just like, you know what, I'm done. Nah, I, I'm out. You know, so to make a team is is incredibly difficult, and a handful of these guys are are have set themselves up uh, to do so, and um, just excited to see him succeed at the next level. Um, do we want to? I got a question for you. If, if what's that? 
you are willing to answer. Um, who do you think, now I think the answer here might be obvious, but who do you think, if we're talking about the 2020 draft, who on Michigan State's team this year that will be eligible is going to get picked the highest? Well, it's easy to say for me, Kenny yep. uh, Willekes, because his just numbers are outstanding and I have no reason to believe that they're going to drop, right? Yep. And, and there are a lot of great defensive ends, not just in uh, the country, but in the league, actually. The Big Ten is stacked with DNs. Yep. Um, but i got to think that he's going to go the highest, um, if only because, gosh, I'm trying to think who might be competing with him. You know, Bocce is a fantastic yeah, so college player. I don't know how it translates. Um, it's funny because I I've looked at a couple 2020 mock drafts, and you got you got a, your your 2020 mock draft grade is an A. Um, he he's gotten mocked in the first round in multiple in the only two I've looked at. Uh, Kenny. Yeah, like late in the first round, yeah. but yeah, I believe it. I I mean, I think you're you're spot on. on. What? From walk-on to, to pro- projected first round. Yeah, decent story. Just another another one at Michigan State. Not a big deal. Um, wow. Only other thing I'll say is I, I don't know that anyone's necessarily going give him, to give him a run for the highest. Uh, I think he's certainly the leader in the clubhouse. But I will say I think you're going to see – I'd be surprised if you don't see more guys get drafted next year than you did this year. I mean, if you go through the roster, I think Brian Lewerke, if he gets back to being sophomore, Brian Lewerke is absolutely a guy who's going to get drafted. Daryl Stewart, to me, jumps out as a guy who get drafted. Um, uh, elsewhere, on the, elsewhere on the defensive line, you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, Raekwon Williams, Mike Panashuk. Uh, Raekwon Williams might be the only guy who I realistically think has a shot to jump up and get him. Uh, Josiah Scott could absolutely, we've talked about it here, declare early and go. Um, Joe Bocci, I would, I mean, will absolutely get drafted. You know, David Dowell. I mean, I really think people are underestimating how many guys off next next year's roster might end up going. I think it's going to come close to setting a record. Well, um, hopefully, hopefully that number also translates to, uh, little more success on the field uh, um, ideally but we'll do a full preview you know later down the line as the summer rolls along we're going to be ranking a lot of lists uh indeed next next week we'll be ranking best non-con uh football schedules yes uh yeah that'll be a fun one um and let us know any other things you want us to rank yes and we don't have to necessarily do michigan state stuff we'll do a bunch of dumb stuff too um <laughs> We'll do a bunch of dumb stuff. We just wanted to get this one out to you guys because it's been a couple of weeks and, and we owe it to you. So, um, as always, check us out on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby and at The Only Colors. Uh, and vote for us if you see us in any random March Madness style uh, brackets. We like winning, even though we don't do it a lot. Um, so, uh, that's about it for this week. For John, this has been Austin, and we'll catch you guys next time. See ya. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.